We're going to go to Matthew 24. This is a chapter I think we all know about quite well and are pretty familiar with. But the disciples were asking Christ what would be some of the harbingers of his return, what conditions would exist, what would happen, what would the signs be of the coming of the end of the world in the verse 3. And uh, I'm going to skip down to verse 6. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. So all kinds of war and rumors of war would be occurring, which we see a lot going on right now. But he says, There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different places. Uh, Famines and pestilences, earthquakes. You've probably noticed that volcanic and earthquake activity has increased uh, voluminously in the last six months. Uh, It's like the whole ring of fire is on fire and not much has hit the U.S. yet, but little ones here and there. But we feel it coming and everybody's wondering when's the big one going to hit. This chapter goes on to detail uh, the precise events that would occur before he returns. And I don't want to go there and dwell on that today. We've done it before and shall again, I'm sure. But this verse 7, let's take note of today. There shall be famines and pestilences. Famines and pestilences go together. When there's lack of food, disease comes. And when enough disease comes, lack of food follows as well. So those two are intertwined and are through many scriptures in the Bible. Now the reason I read that, and there's a companion, chapter 21 of Luke, that goes through the same thing. Right now in China, uh, the official word is, or as of a couple days ago, was that a couple thousand people had been infected by this coronavirus, and that six people had died, and I think yesterday the official count went up to a few thousand, and that maybe like 20 had died. I've been reading reports out of China that are unofficial. Uh, People on Twitter, people sending photos on, on their telephones to various parts of the world, and showing what is really happening in China. You do not expect, do you, the Chinese government to give you all the straight facts on something? I think we've learned we can't trust the American government to give us straight facts on much of anything either. And if anything, the Chinese communists are even worse. Now what I'm reading, and they have officially admitted, is that there are 46 million people quarantined now. That's 11 cities, and all of them, uh, from 11 million down to close to a million, all 11 of them. So 46 million so far. And they've sent in 50,000 troops to the one city of Wuhan where this has started. And they are under orders to shoot to kill anyone trying to come out of that city. 11 million people surrounded by 50,000 troops with orders to shoot anyone who tries to get out of there. One nurse tweeted that there are 28 or 2.8 billion, and this is as of yesterday, 2.8 million infected and 112,000 dead. She said then that there were 90,000 dead in that city of Huan alone, that the hospital system is completely overwhelmed, that the ones trying to take care of patients are now out of hazmat suits and masks, and they can't protect themselves. These people are piling up outside emergency rooms and in the streets. They can't get in and can't be treated 
There was a short video there of one man standing by what looked like a grocery cart. He was just standing there, and he just fell over, dead. And people are doing this uh, through the city. In fact, this particular virus sometimes shows no symptoms. No runny nose, no cough, symptomless, and then you die. I saw people laying on the street in pictures with blood that had come out of their lungs, like Ebola. It apparently attacks the kidneys very, very aggressively and destroys them, and then you die pretty rapidly. One lady wrote that they had an aunt who had come down with it. They were trying to get her in a hospital. They went from hospital to hospital trying to get their aunt in for treatment and couldn't find a place for her. Now, all the time they're running around with a sick aunt, they're exposed to her, obviously, and they're exposing her to everybody they see wherever they go and trying to find some treatment. The lady finally realized that she was dying, and she was in a great deal of distress and pain, so she got away and went up on top of a high-rise building and jumped off to get it over with. I'm dying. I can't stand it. I don't want to go through this. So she did herself in. Now, if this were a minor outbreak and you had maybe six who had died and maybe up to 20, you would think they would try to contain it within the one city, wouldn't you? And Yet when you start seeing these photos come out and these Twitters from people who are on the ground, and all the medical people have been told not to pass out any information, but some of them do anyway. Doesn't it sound like this is a little bit bigger than just a minor breakout of something, you know, like Legionnaire's disease that kills a few that were at a banquet here in New York or wherever it was? From the, the sources I'm reading, they say that it is a bioweapon that got loose. One report showed that Wuhan is a major city in the primary area where they have labs that test bioweapons and viruses and this kind of thing that they are developing for future warfare. Is it possible that within a city that has those labs, and this is speculated not by me but by others, that somehow this virus escaped uh, when they didn't want it to and began going through that city, and then people began moving here, there, and everywhere, and they realized they had a really serious problem. And it spread to 11 that are quarantined with 40 million people, and now the deaths are increasing exponentially, and if it was 112,000 yesterday by estimate, what is it today? Now, it's been confirmed that this virus has spread to Europe. There are at least two cases I've heard of in America confirmed, one in Seattle and where was the other, Florida or somewhere. Uh, where was it? Texas, was it? So it's symptomless, and people are flying all over the world. Now, if you try to escape... Wuhan, you get shot. I saw pictures of uh, equipment piling up big berms in the roads, even the small roads out of town, to keep cars from leaving. It doesn't sound like a minor thing to me at all when you see that kind of equipment doing that kind of work. Now, this is something they were developing probably to use on us or others of their enemies at some time. But maybe it did escape. It is interesting also to read that uh, Bill Gates funded the people who have the patent on the vaccine for this virus. Now, why did Bill Gates fund somebody sometime back to develop a patent for this virus? Was he in bed with the Chinese on it and knew what was going on? And now he has an interest in that vaccine uh, because he funded it, and I don't know how they've got it sliced up, but uh, he's 
there to benefit from it for sure. I thought, well, this is interesting. This might be King Bill Gates' crowning moment with this uh, coronavirus, corona like a, a, a crown. Uh, this might be something he's been looking forward to as a depopulation thing. They're saying it's like the Spanish flu that killed millions and millions of people back in Europe. Interesting. And it's on our shores. Now, an additional idea or thought is that the United States has sent a plane over there to evacuate all U.S. citizens from Wuhan that are there. Do you think they're going to do what with those citizens? I suspect they'll bring them back here. Will they put them in total quarantine? What about the crew on the planes? What about a lot of things that could happen? And this is airborne. They showed that Ebola might or might not be there for a while, but they're already admitting that this virus is airborne. It can just travel through the air and get you wherever you are once it's released. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. There is a companion chapter to this in Leviticus, Deuteronomy 28. The companion uh, chapter is Leviticus 26. It says essentially the same thing, except Deuteronomy adds a little more to it, more detail. So I think I'll go there instead of of uh, Leviticus 26. Now, when God had brought Israel out of Mitzrayim, he gave them a lot of different instructions. He made a covenant with them. <coughs> they were to be his people, as his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had said. And he had sent Moses as a deliverer. They had gone through an incredible delivery. You might say some of us are in the midst of an incredible delivery right now from the devastation that hit the church. And more are going to be delivered here shortly uh, as God moves to protect his people. But God had strict ideas of how his people should be. Let's get into Deuteronomy 28 and rehearse this because... I see great danger on the horizon, and if this maybe inadvertently got loose in China, maybe not inadvertently, who knows? The people who want to control the world want depopulation of 90%, and there's an awful lot of Chinese. So are they just starting there? I don't know. It may have been an accident or something that was intended to come here. Well, it may be here. I mean, it already is, but how many people might or might not be infected? How many people were uh, exposed on the airplane of the guy that wound up in Seattle or Texas? And the incubation period is up to two weeks, so you don't even know for a while. I see great danger there. <clears throat> All right, let's read Deuteronomy 28. It shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the eternal your God, he tells us in Zechariah 3 that we need to diligently obey God. Wow. That's the first thing he says right here in Deuteronomy to Israel out in the desert. To observe and do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the eternal your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you. But you just can't get away from the blessings. They just overtake you from behind. Oh, now my eye lost where I was. They'll overtake you if you shall hearken to the voice of the eternal your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Rural and urban both. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, 
the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be your basket in your store. Good harvest, lots of food. Now we look upon this as something God said to Israel before they ever went into the promised land, while they were still under Moses. Here's what he tells them would be. Now fast forward in your mind a bit to when this country was settled and how some people came here from England and other places. They were keeping, some of them, the holy days. They were not keeping Christmas and Easter and those things because they knew better somehow. So they were trying to follow God's ways. Not all of them, but some of them. And has this country ever been blessed? Did it not have everything we could possibly need, as per Deuteronomy 8 says? Have we had a run through history until just recently of being the most prosperous nation on the earth with the highest standard of living of anyone, like the blessings just came and overtook us? <coughs> we couldn't get away from them all. They're just here. Other people were trying to have good things. Not so much. Europe was also blessed. Not as much as Ephraim, but Europe has also had a very high standard of living. It's diminishing right now, but it's been there. Blessed shall be you be when you come in, and blessed when you go out. Safety, blessings coming and going. The Eternal shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. World War One, World War Two. You shall come out against they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Eternal shall command the blessing upon you in the storehouses and in all that you set your hand to. And he shall bless you in the land which the Eternal your God gives you. I've driven across the United States many times, and as you drive across the heartland, you see silos everywhere, full of grain, full of corn, full of wheat. Sometimes you see that they couldn't even get it all in the silos, and there's huge piles of grain out on the ground waiting to be put somewhere. I've driven through Wisconsin and seen government storehouses, that just went on block after block with nothing in them but cheese and butter. So much that we couldn't even take care of it. And we shipped it to other countries as foreign aid because we had more than we could possibly use. Blessed when we come in and blessed when we go out. Storehouse is full. The eternal, verse 9, shall establish you a holy people to himself, as he has sworn to you. If you shall keep the commandments of the eternal, your God, and walk in his ways. You'll be a holy people to God. He'll treat you like holy people. And you'll have everything you can possibly need or want, and blessings everywhere. And all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Eternal, and they shall be afraid of you. We were once called a Christian nation. We exported to the world the idea that we were a Christian nation. We sent millions and millions of Bibles all over the world as a so-called Christian nation. And people were afraid of us. We were a people who had an incredible manufacturing uh, structure, agriculturally, every way. We were the wealthiest nation on earth, by far. We had more money, more wealth than any nation on earth. We were the biggest creditor on earth. More people owed us money than anybody else up until just recently. And over the last 30 years, give or take a little, we have become the greatest debtor nation on earth. From the greatest creditor to the greatest in debt. By far. By far and away. By trillions of dollars. 
in debt to other people. They're no longer afraid of us. They were afraid to use anything but a dollar to buy something around the world. Now nations here, there, and everywhere, including the biggest ones, are bypassing the dollar. They don't want it anymore. They want to use their own currency. And they're selling U.S. dollars, which are nothing but debt anyway, getting rid of them because they don't want them anymore. You haven't quite reached that point yet, have you, where you don't want dollars? No, you still want them. You still use them. They're still accepted here. But there are nations like Russia and China and India and others who don't want them anymore. They're trying to get rid of them as fast as they can. You know what? It's not going to be long until Americans are going to be trying to get rid of them as fast as they can. I can show you scriptures that say they'll throw them in the street. They'll be utterly worthless. The rest of the world is getting already where they don't want dollars anymore, and Americans are not far behind. I'll guarantee you that. Yes, God made a covenant with us, and we were called a Christian nation. Now we deny it. We deny His Word. You can't mention the Bible or God in school without being kicked out or punished in some way. But you can talk Muslim all day long if you want, and that's no problem. You can get out your prayer shawl in school and lay down and pray Muslim prayers, and it's fine. We were a great, in that sense, Christian nation. And all the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Eternal. Now we deny it. I told somebody the other day, you know, I'm... I'm kind of getting into this now. I, I hear there are, what, 93 genders they've identified now? And I decided that I would go through and examine all of those and see if I can determine exactly what gender I am. And uh, I got thinking about it a little bit, and I, I came up with one that's just perfect. I know what gender I am. Old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they've even put that one on the list yet, but whatever. That's not Christian, those 93 genders. God made two. That's all. Anything else is perverted. But we used to believe in that. We used to believe in family. We used to believe in God and that God had made the family. We were known as a Christian nation. And they'll call you by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the eternal shall make you plenteous in goods, the fruit of the body, the fruit of the cattle, and in the fruit of the ground, and in the land which the eternal swore to you, your fathers, to give them. So wherever this is happening, it's in the land which God swore to our fathers to give us. It's not in a little tiny piece of desert over in the Middle East somewhere. It's the kind of blessings that he said he would give Ephraim in Genesis 49. And did we have a wonderful birth rate? Did we not have healthy children? Oh, yeah. Now what do we do? We kill our children. We don't appreciate that anymore. Kill them by the millions. The Eternal shall open to you His good treasure, the heaven to give the rain to your land in His season, and to bless all the works of your hand. No nation has ever been blessed the way America has been blessed since our inception. And you shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. I already mentioned that. We were the greatest creditor nation on earth. We loaned to everybody. We gave to everybody foreign aid. We owed no one. That's the way it was 30, 40 years ago. So God... Did what? God did all these things we've read. He says if we would follow him, he would do all these things for us. And not only that, he had told Abraham that he would do all these things for us. 
And there in Genesis 49, we have the record where it says what each one of the nations would be in the end time. And it said Ephraim would run over the wall and have double blessings and more blessings than any nation. God did that. Up to verse... Well, let's go on down. And the Eternal shall make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. If that you hearken to the commandments of the Eternal your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. And as a physical nation, from our inception, to one degree or another we did that, and we tried to be religious, Pagan religions came in and Sunday worship and all kinds of things. And we slowly drifted further and further from God. But he held up his part of the bargain, didn't he? Haven't we received the blessings he told Jacob we would receive? He did his part. Now let's keep that in mind from today forward as well. In the past, God has done exactly what he said he would do. And he tells us today, if we will diligently obey him, he will bless us as a holy people. Because the nation has gone a different direction. And now he's looking for a holy spiritual people that he can bless the same way. And if you go through all the prophecies, he says he's going to. Now, maybe we get a little tired and weary waiting for it. But he said he'd do it back here in Deuteronomy 28 to the physical nation. And I have to look around at where we've been from Roanoke forward and realize that God did it. And he did it in incredible ways. No other country has ever invaded America. At least not to any extent. I mean, there were a few Japs in World War II that landed on the Aleutians, but they didn't get anywhere. So God did his part. Now let's read on. Verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Eternal your God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. The curses will come on you from behind just like the blessings did. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket in your store. If our cities devolved into almost uninhabitable places with homeless living and defecating on the streets and all the viruses and diseases that they have being washed into the rivers and into the ocean where you go play on the beach, do we not have violence in our cities now increasingly? Isn't it getting more difficult? It's not as bad as we're about to read about. But it's going to get there real soon. Because it's headed there. It says your basket in your store will be cursed. Did we have a terrible rainy season last year in which it was hard to plant crops and so many never got planted? And then we had early snows and cold which prevented some of the uh, harvest of the ones that even did get planted. <coughs> In China today, in that city that is quarantined, I saw pictures of empty grocery store shelves. No food can come in, and no food can go out. And the social order is already beginning to break down two, three, four days into this. Because when people get hungry, they will do anything to eat. And there are millions of people in China right now Today, we're going through this and seeing people drop on their right hand and on their left hand dead by the tens, and it may get to the hundreds of thousands 
and it could even get into the millions. And it could spread worldwide very easily. Already has, but not in great numbers yet. Now, this is talking not about China. This is talking about America and the nations of Israel. Curse shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land, the increase of your sheep and your, fly, your cattle and your sheep. Curse shall you be when you come in, and curse shall you be when you go out. The Eternal shall send upon you cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do, till you be destroyed and until you perish quickly. Those people in China are perishing quickly because of disease, and they'll be perishing even more quickly from starvation and lack of water and killing each other. Because of the wickedness of your doings, whereby you have forsaken me. The Eternal shall make the pestilence cleave to you, until he have consumed you from off the land where you go to possess it. We came here to possess this land, and he says, if we disobey, we will have pestilence. That's disease, which will destroy us from off the land. I think this is a very timely thing to consider because we have departed from God and we have a deadly pestilence already on our shores. Whether it gets loose or not, I do not yet know. But I'll tell you this, if this one doesn't, the next one will. Because God said right here, if we disobeyed Him, He would send pestilence and it would destroy us off the face of the earth. It's inevitable. It's coming. It may be upon us in the next weeks. Or it may take a little longer. I don't know. We shall see. But I think we better be aware. You know, the people in Seattle are concerned. The people in Texas are concerned. Especially in the towns where these people showed up. Where'd the rest of the people on those airplanes go? I don't know. <coughs> where will these that they're flying in from that same city go? Maybe they'll be quarantined until we're sure it's not there. Who knows? Or maybe our own government. Do you think this could happen? That our own government could say, hey, here's this perfect bioweapon that's been released in China and it's working so well. But if we turn it loose here, we could blame it on the Chinese. Perfect. This came from China. We didn't do it. Like lime, this came from ticks. We didn't. We didn't manufacture it. It will consume you. He'll smite you with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning. That sounds kind of like a bio-disease, doesn't it? Something that's been manufactured that's a terrible, horrible thing <laughs> that kills you. And with the sword and with blasting and with mildew, and they shall pursue you until you perish. Now, could it be that this whole thing starts with famine and pestilence and the sword comes after? Now, if you have a disease going through America that's killing millions of people, we'll have quarantines, we'll have martial law, we'll have the UN coming to try to protect the citizens, and it'll be total chaos. <laughs> then it would be no problem at all for an invading army to come in and mop up, kill us off. We'll read some scriptures about that in a little bit. And your heaven that is over your head shall be brass, like sunshine with no rain. The earth that is under you shall be iron, that is, no rain to soften it for crops to grow. The eternal shall make... 
the rain of your land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon you till you be destroyed. How much dust and ash does a volcano put out? They had the uh, never-ending winter some time back. I forget the time frame. A huge volcanic eruption, and they had no crops. Couldn't plant. Because all that volcanic ash went around the world and it cooled down to the point they couldn't grow crops. Right now we have volcanoes going off right and left. Indonesia, Philippines, uh, Hawaii, Alaska. They're all throwing stuff in the air. Is it going to get to the point where the powder and the dust come down? and cool it, and you can't plant crops, and therefore you have no food and you're destroyed? Is that the kind of dust he's talking about? I don't know, but it's starting to happen. <clears throat> Italian volcanoes are blowing. It's happening all over the world. You shall be destroyed. The Eternal shall cause you to be smitten before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall be removed in all the kingdoms of the earth. So this starts out by talking about famine and pestilence, disease, then the sword, then taken into captivity around the world. You see that sequence there and how it's laid out? It won't be the last time you see it today. So let's go on. Your carcass shall be meat to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the earth. Won't even be married, uh, buried. No man shall fray them away. They won't be taken away. They'll just lay there where they're dying. That's what's happening in China right now as we sit here today. They're falling over in the street. They're falling over in the hospitals. And they're just walking around them in the aisles of the hospitals. Bodies everywhere. The Eternal will smite you with the botch of Egypt and with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch where you can't be healed. He'll smite you with madness, insanity, and blindness and astonishment of heart. Terribly scared, frightened, worried, frustrated, and going mad. And you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways and you shall be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save you. You'll grope about not knowing what to do, because there's nothing to do. You can't do a thing about it. That's why they're so scared in China today. They can't do a thing about it. And when they go to those who have been trained to help, they can't do anything about it. And you die in the hospital and get shoved to the side of the hall, and they walk around you. You shall betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, and you shall not dwell therein. You shall plant a vineyard, and you shall not gather the grapes thereof. We're going to be kicked out of our houses. Enemy troops were going to come in, and they'll take over our wives and daughters. We'll have nothing. Your ox shall be slain before your eyes, and you shall not eat thereof. They'll eat it. Won't give you any. Just because it was yours, so what? If you complain, you get shot between the eyes. Your ash shall be violently taken away from before your face, and shall not be restored you. Your sheep given to your enemies, and you shall have none to rescue them. Your, this gets worse now. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. And your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. Your kids will simply be gathered up and taken overseas as slaves. Sex slaves, for one thing, first. And you'll never see them again, and you're going to die. There shall be no might in your hand. You can't do a thing about it. The fruit of your land and all your labors shall a nation which you know not eat up. So they will come here and eat our food. You shall be only oppressed and crushed always. 
so that you shall be mad for the sight of your eyes, which you shall see. The things that we're seeing will just drive us crazy. <laughs> Take a bunch of spoiled Americans have always had everything they wanted. They'll go crazy when they can't have what they want. Just take their iPhones bad enough. You'll nuts over that. The Eternal shall smite you in the knees and the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Satan knows how to do the things to us that he knew how to do to Job. Right? Boils from head to foot. The Eternal shall bring you and your king, which you shall set over you, unto a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. And there shall you serve other gods, wood and stone. You'll become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword, cussed out, hated, among all nations where the Eternal shall lead you. You shall carry much seed out into the field and shall gather but little in, for the locust will consume it. Plant vineyards and dress them, but neither drink the wine. The worms will eat them. Please in your coast, but you'll not anoint yourself with oil. You shall beget sons and daughters, but you shall not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. About one-third of Americans are children. Sons that aren't killed. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-children are going into captivity to the Gentiles who will butcher them and rape them, misuse them and abuse them, and then work them to death. And that will be the end of them. The stranger that is within you. We've imported an awful lot of people recently, haven't we? Shall get up above you very high, and you shall come down very low. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. He'll be living in your McMansion, and you'll be doing the gardening. Okay? It's a reversal of roles. All these curses shall come upon you till you be destroyed, because you did not hearken and listen to God. Verse 46, And they shall be upon you for a sign and for a wonder, and upon your seed forever, because you serve not the Eternal with your God with joyful joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. He blessed us and we couldn't handle it and went into all kinds of idolatry and sin, and now these curses are coming. They're not on us quite yet, are they? Not in the degree to which he's talking about here. You'll serve your enemies, which the eternal shall send against you, in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness. Isaiah says we'll go with our hands over our head, with our butts shown, and again showing into captivity. Want of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he have destroyed you. Yoke of iron on your neck is of brutal captivity. A nation against you will come from afar, from the ends of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose tongue you shall not understand. A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old or favor to the young. And will eat everything you got. And he shall besiege you in all your gates. Skipping on down to 53. And you shall eat the fruit of your own body the flesh of your sons and of your daughters, which the eternal your God has given you. We've already started butchering them and throwing them away. Then we're going to butcher them and eat them. In the siege and in the straightness wherewith your enemies shall distress you, so that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eyes shall be evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the remnant of his children, which he shall leave. You run into people now in our country who, oh, they wouldn't swat a fly, they wouldn't kill a rabbit, they wouldn't, oh, animals are so much better than people, we must worship Mother Gaia and her children, and on and on and on, people that wouldn't hurt a fly will be eating their children. 
this tender guy that was like that, so that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat, because he has nothing left him in the siege and in the straightness, wherewith your enemy shall distress you in all your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground because of delicateness and tenderness, her eyes shall be evil toward the husband of her bosom, and toward her son, and toward her daughter, and toward her young one that comes out from between her feet, and toward her children which she shall bear, for she shall eat them for one of all things secretly in the siege and hardness wherewith your enemy shall distress you in your gates. That's pretty low. Nothing left to eat but your husband or your wife or your children or your just-born baby. And Americans will do it. It's upon us, brethren. It isn't far away. If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and fearful name, the Eternal your God, He will make your plagues incredible, and the plagues of your seed great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sicknesses of long continuance. He'll bring all the diseases of Egypt that you are afraid of. Verse 62. You shall be left few in number, whereas you were the stars of heaven. God bless us. Like he said, we became as the stars of the heaven. Very few left when this is all done. Verse 64, The Eternal shall scatter you among all the people from one end of the earth to the other, and you shall serve other gods which you haven't known. You'll find no ease there, verse 65, and your foot shall find no rest. But you'll be there with a trembling heart, failing eyes, and sorrow of mind. We have our little pity parties now. Oh, poor pitiful me, all the things that I have to go through, all the problems I have. You ain't seen nothing yet. And still we sail far for ourselves. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. And you shall fear day and night, and shall leave, have no assurance of your life. In the morning, you shall say, Oh, I wish it were evening. In the evening, you'll say, Oh, I wish it was morning. For the fear of your heart, wherewith you shall fear. For the sight of your eyes, which you'll see. <laughs> and will be so bad. Notice the last half of the last verse. You shall see it no more again, and there shall you shall be sold to your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. We will be so sick, so wretched, so futile, so weak, that when they come to the auction, they'll say, I don't want them. Why would I want that one? Can't work. Not worth anything. I'm not going to bid on that. You know, when an auction is over, if you can't get anybody to bid on something, when the auction's done, you haul it to the dump. And if they try to auction Americans, and they're too weak and they're too sick to be worth anything, they'll just shoot them and bury them, because nobody wants them. That's where we're headed, brethren. And I doubt it'll be a year before it gets here. I seriously doubt it at this point. Might be, but it isn't very far off. It isn't far from the people in China today, is it? It's happening right now as we sit here. They'll be eating their children within a week or two or three if this thing continues. Because there'll be nothing else to eat. That's in the modern world today. When it gets loose here, It's going to be the same thing. Let's go to Ezekiel 5. While we're turning there, before I forget it, one reason I'm going through this 
is it is a reality to people in China, and it's becoming a reality to people in other nations where these people have flown, and other people are being submitted to it. What about when you hear of the first case in St. George or Hurricane? You hear there's somebody that's confirmed St. George Medical Facility to have this or a similar virus. Now what you're going to do? Are you going to go to town to buy groceries? Are you going to go down to buy anything that you don't have stocked up that you might need within the next week or two? What you going to do? When I hear there's people sick and dying and falling down on the streets in St. George, I'm not going to Costco. I'm not going to Walmart. People, everybody goes to Walmart. Everybody spreads the disease. You can't go anywhere because you don't know. Some of these bioweapons are totally without symptoms. You know, right now, if you see somebody sneezing and coughing and they grab the door handle and went in, you avoid grabbing that door handle. But if they have no symptoms and they suddenly fall over dead in front of you, you've been exposed. What you going to do? Stay home. Hope nobody around you gets it. Utter fear will go through our population. Total and utter fear. Where is it going to break out next? Chapter 5 of Ezekiel. You, son of man, take you a sharp knife, take you a barber's razor, and cause it to pass upon your head and upon your beard, then take you balances to weigh and divide the hair. <clears throat> now this is in the context of chapter 4, where he laid on his side 430 days for Israel and Judah. And I firmly believe that that ended, that 430 years from Roanoke to 2017, in the fall of 2017. And he says it is very near once this happens, okay? It is come, it is come. He says it about 12, 14 times. It won't be the echoing, it'll be soon after. All right? Another scripture shows it could be in the third year. I think we're very, very close to it, because God doesn't waste words. So divide your hair, burn with fire a third of it in the midst of you when the days of your siege are fulfilled. So when he got up off his side, he was supposed to trim off his beard, divide the hair off, and burn a third in the fire. And you shall take a third part and smite uh, about it with a knife, and a third part shall you scatter to the wind. So burn a third of it, uh, cut up a third of it, and spread the rest into the wind. Now that 430 years, I firmly believe, is a prophecy about America. God gave us back the 430 years of captivity we had in Mitzrayim. And if we had obeyed him, our blessings would have continued. But we have disobeyed him. I believe the 430 years is up. That's an end-time prophecy. And very soon now, this is going to happen to us. Because he was to do it after he got up off the ground. I'll draw a sword after those that are scattered. There'll be a few in your skirt. Go down to <clears throat> verse 12. And see if this does not echo what we read in, De in Deuteronomy. A third part of you shall die with the pestilence and famine. Shall they be consumed in the midst of you? And a third part shall fall by the sword about you, and I will scatter a third part into all the winds, and I will draw out a sword after them. We just read that our children will all be taken captive to foreign nations. Our grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They're all going to be slaves. Here he starts with pestilence and famine first, which weakens you. Then you have the sword come in and kill another third. And then the rest are taken captive. And a lot of them won't be worth keeping. Isn't this the same thing we read? This is an end-time prophecy in Ezekiel. Exact same thing we read in Deuteronomy 28. 
uh, verse 17, So I will send upon you famine and evil beasts, and they shall bereave you, and pestles and blood shall pass through you, and I will bring the sword upon you. I, the Eternal, have spoken it. I've seen evidence just in the last week or two that mountain lions are beginning in Rome, to roam in packs of five to nine. That's unheard of. been taking pictures, people's outside cameras. I saw one the other day with five in somebody's driveway. Nine were spotted together up in Montana. In, one t- in town. Nine of them hunting deer in town. Now, are these beasts limited to bears and lions? I don't know. They could be robots, too. Evil beasts that have been manufactured coming after you. This is real. This is going to happen here very, very shortly. The 4.30 is up. This is coming. Now, what time is it here? Uh, Let's hit a a few real quickly in uh, Jeremiah 14. This isn't just Ezekiel. Jeremiah is another end-time book. Chapter 14, verse 10. Thus says the Eternal to this people, to Israel, Thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet. Therefore the Eternal does not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Then said the Eternal to me, Pray not for this people for their good. Don't even pray that good come upon them. It will do you no good. When God sets His will to destroy, praying for the good won't help because you have to pray according to God's will in order to be answered. It will do no good at this point to pray for this nation. Judgment has been rendered. Punishment is now coming. I think that judgment passed over in the summer of 17. And it's been getting worse rapidly ever since. And what he's saying here is not far away. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offering and an oblation, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword, and by the famine, and by the pestilence. <clears throat> then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. Some of the preachers are saying today, Pray to God and He'll save us. Trump will save us. Somebody will save us. Some of them think Pelosi will. Oh, my. How far off can we possibly get? Then the Eternal said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spoke to them. They prophesy to you a false vision and divination, satanic, and a thing of nothing and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, concerning the prophets, I sent them not, yet they say sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. You and your prophets both. Okay? Chapter 24. Verse 10. I picked out a few. There's about 17 of these. Chapter 24, verse 17. I must have written that down wrong. There's not that many verses in that one. Oh, 24. <laughs> 10, excuse me. And I will send the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. Same words Ezekiel used. Among them till they be consumed from off the land that I gave to them and to their fathers. We are going to be decimated, driven out, and taken into captivity, those who do live. Chapter 29. I didn't take time to go through all these. There are many of them. Verse uh, 17. Thus says the Eternal of hosts, Behold, I will send upon them the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, 
and will make them like vile figs that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. Fruit so rotten you couldn't put it in your mouth is the way he depicts us. And I will persecute them with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, and will live, deliver them to be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse and an astonishment and a hissing and a reproach among all the nations whether I have driven them. Taking the very words from Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 and putting them into an end-time prophet here about America today. This is going to happen. It is inevitable. It cannot be stopped. Don't even pray for this nation anymore. It's going to happen. Chapter 34, verse 17. Therefore, thus says the Eternal, You have not hearkened to me in proclaiming liberty, everyone to his brother and every man to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim a liberty for you. We want to think we're the the free men, that we have liberty. So I'll declare one for you. To the sword, to the pestilence, and to the famine. That's the liberty I'm going to give you. And I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Why does he say this so many times? I'm skipping over most of them. Let's go to Amos 4. Wrap that up here pretty quick. Amos chapter 4. And here let's go to verse 6. I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. That means nothing to eat. You don't need a toothpick if you don't have anything to eat. Teeth stay clean. And want of bread in all your places, yet have you not returned to me, says the Eternal. God is going to send all these things we've just been reading about, and we still will not repent. Also I have withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained on, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered to one city, started leaving their city to try to find something to eat somewhere, to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have you not returned to me? So when all this stuff hits and we don't have food or water, this nation is still not going to turn to God. Just not going to do it. I've smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palmer worm devoured them, yet you have not returned to me, says the Eternal. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses. Your military won't be there to help you. And I have made the stink of your camps to come up into your nostrils. Dead bodies rotting, feces on the ground. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Eternal. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you are as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Eternal. Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, and because I will do this, Unto you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. That gives me chills to read. Because we won't obey God, all this is coming on us. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. I say this because I believe it is upon us. It's upon China today. I don't know how long it'll take to get here. But the plagues of Egypt, the diseases of Egypt, all these things are coming. Pestilence and famine and the sword and captivity upon our people. Are you prepared to go a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six months without going to Walmart or Costco? 
Nobody's going to drive a car to town because they're afraid they'll die as a result of it. Coming to America. Let's read one more scripture. Psalm 91. I remember in the seventh grade, back when you could mention the Bible, actually, in school, I was in the seventh grade, and one of my teachers picked out five psalms and told all the class that we had to learn one of those and recite it without reading it in class. Can you remember those days? That was my sixth grade teacher. No, seventh grade. Let's read Psalm 91 in closing. We just saw what's coming on our nation in many, many places. I can take you back to Deuteronomy as a prophecy for the future. I can take you to Jeremiah and Ezekiel as prophecies for the end time. I can take you to Luke 24, or Luke 21 and Matthew 24, where he's saying that at the end time, There'll be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. It's inevitable. It's coming on our nation, and our nation is going to be destroyed. Don't even pray for it. It better be preparing to meet its God. Now, Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. <coughs> You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked." Because you have made the eternal, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. They shall tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation.